Welcome to the Is It Marketing Podcast this week. We are without Zach, my co-host, my typical co-host this week, Sad Times, who's out on the road traveling and visiting customers. So I have recruited one of my one of my friends and one of my colleagues, Kat Miner, to join me as my special, my special guest co-host this week. So Kat, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate you jumping on. Oh, thank you, Gabe, for asking me. I appreciate it. Jumped at so, the opportunity. Yeah. And Kat, Kat and I have known each other for quite a while, going back even to our prior. Kat does work with me at, at, uh, at Calyx now, but before she worked at Calyx, she was with Pivot. She was with uh, a broadband service provider as well. And so her and I have had the opportunity to work together for a shoot, Kat. I think we've known each other for probably like five years. Maybe at more. Least. At, least, at least. Yeah. Maybe we're yes. dating ourselves a little bit here, but uh, you know, we've, we've known each other for a minute. <laughs> for a hot minute. Uh, yeah, for a hot minute. But one thing I didn't know about Kat, or a couple of things I didn't know about Kat, is how multi-talented she is until I actually started working with her. I had no idea that you know she's a singer-songwriter. She actually has a children's book coming out. I saw you post about that, and now I'm really curious. I'm, I'm excited to get it and read it to my kids. Yeah, thank you. I am excited to get it out and get it published and share it. It is called, the title is called Bubble Trouble. Bubble Trouble. I like it. Yeah. Uh, brief, brief scenario of the book. It is about a little boy who's afraid of bubbles. Can oh, you imagine? that's so sad. No, right. I can't imagine. That's really sad. And a little friend flies him through the book and says, hey, check out all these awesome bubbles around you. There's nothing to be afraid of. And ultimately, the, the core value of the book is, you know, it's okay to be afraid but learn mm. more about your fears to, to help you overcome them. Ooh, I like that. That's a great yeah. message. Now I'm even more yeah. excited to read it to my kids. <laughs> I have a, I do have a very important question about the book, uh, book though. Yeah. Will it give me an opportunity to do ridiculous voices? Because that is my like primary goal when I'm reading books to my kids is to just be completely ridiculous and do stupid voices. Oh, yes. And okay. there awesome. will also be a page that I believe your son will very much love because it's all about the bubbles in your body. Oh, that <laughs> sounds really fun. Yes, that's definitely going to hit his sweet spot. So yeah. uh, my son just turned seven a couple of weeks ago. And my wife, I, I don't know what possessed her to do this. I love her, but this was this is just, I, she was, I don't even know why the heck she did this, but it was pretty funny. She decided that she was going to get him seven whoopee cushions for his seventh birthday. Among many other things, he got lots of other presents. The kids were was it a golden whoopee cushion? <laughs> <laughs> it's just regular whoopee cushions. But I mean, the amount of laughter that came out of that child once he got them, and then once he started using them, I mean, it was just—I mean, a seven-year-old boy is just like the perfect sweet spot for a whoopee cushion, right? And Absolutely. to get seven of them, so then he could put them around in multiple places, put multiple together to make it sound extra loud. I mean, he was just so happy. Could couldn't yes. have been happier. Wait until he takes it to your favorite restaurant, <laughs> grandma's house. Oh, yeah. That'll be great. I'll look forward to the that. Fun, the fun goes on and on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I appreciate you joining. I did. We wanted to talk today. Just I, you and I have worked in the broadband, broadband service provider industry for a while. We've seen a lot from a marketing perspective, things that have worked, things that haven't. And one of the, one of the questions that, I get asked a lot. I think you probably get asked a lot too, is what does building a marketing team in a broadband service provider look like? 
and really what skills and what resources should people be looking for as they bring people in-house, as they look to outsource. I think one of the other themes that you and I have both seen over the years, again, not to date us too much, but there hasn't, marketing has not been a heavily invested area in broadband service providers, especially in the rural market historically. Mm -hmm. And I'm always very impressed with how much folks get done with relatively little investment, um, you know, relatively small teams. I would just be curious to hear kind of your perspective on what you've seen over the years and also would love to get into some details around how do you think about building out a marketing team and investing in a marketing team? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start off first with the history, mm. right? And um, why, why has this area within telecoms been underinvested in, mm -hmm. right? So um, the history, my thought process to it is it started, it stemmed with the telephone exchange, right? Yep. And so historically, telecoms provided a service to a specific geographic area, right? And they had no competition. Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't really a need for marketing like there is today. Now, fast forward 200 years since, uh, <laughs> what was it, 1877, the Bell Telephone, right? Yep. Um, and you have this shift in technology, um, the expansion of uh, your footprint and the services that you can offer mm -hmm. expanding outside of that footprint. So that's increased. And guess what? So has competition. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing competitors, so many new types of competitors. I mean, even since even the time since I've been in the industry, which is a while, but I mean, the, mm -hmm. the last few years have just accelerated so much. You've got municipalities that are building out broadband. You've got electric cooperatives that are building out broadband. You've got Elon Musk shooting rockets into space. You know, I mean, there's as much as we like to say, you know, mm -hmm. that satellite internet isn't direct competition for fiber. There is still, there is still all of the, at least the perception of these competitors out there. And right. I think it really has resulted in a monumental shift for the marketers in these organizations who, you know, typically haven't had to worry about that really aggressive competition, at least in some mm -hmm. areas, some have, but you know, there's many areas of the country where there, as you said, right, there just wasn't a lot of competition. Right. Right. And, you know, you nailed it in, in terms of, uh, national carriers, their advertising, it, in, it impacts, uh, the BSP's customers, whether they can actually get that service or not, they're still mentally comparing, when they hear ads on a national level. Oh, 100%. I've been doing, actually just got off a webinar a little bit ago about competitive analysis. And, you know, even I, I, I say this and I really do believe this, even if you're not competing against Xfinity, you know, they're the largest broadband provider in the country. So the ads that they're running, the things that they're doing on social, the things that they're doing on TV, absolutely, that perception is still sneaky leaking down to your subscribers, even if they can't necessarily get that Xfinity service. And then they look to you as a broadband service provider to, you know, deliver that. Um, Absolutely. You know, in your experience, you know, working, working as in, working in an agency, you're actually working at a, at a broadband service provider. What do you, what do you think the kind of ideal ratio looks like in a best case scenario of, Hey, I've got this many subscribers and I really need to have this many marketing people to truly support the activities that I know I need to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, to your point of what are the activities, what are the goals, right? And that really is based on each telecom. Um, mm -hmm. So dependent on goals, what are the revenues you're trying to achieve, subscriber mm -hmm. size, territory size. Uh, so considering all those things, but um, I will share, there was a research study conducted about a year, year ago on marketing team sizes of tier two and tier three telecoms. Mm -hmm. And it ranged from three to 10 plus employees for a marketing team. And so let's break it down just a little bit further because that's a, a, a larger number to look at, right? Sure. So as we break it down, um, so it's important to note, I guess I should step back for just a second. The study was conducted based on overall employee size. Okay. Right? Yep. Um, so if you're looking for a metric to indicate how many marketing personnel your, your telecom should have, this can help guide you or at least give you a minimum starting point. So mm -hmm. telecoms with less than 100 employees had an average of three marketing staff members. Okay. Telecoms with more than 100 employees had an average of six. Mm. And the outliers were, of course, zero. Now, if you've got zero, we need to talk. Right? <laughs> yes, agreed. Uh, yeah, if you're not marketing um, your services at all, we've probably got a larger problem. Exactly, exactly. And uh, 10 was the greatest. So mm. um, 10, and I believe the employee size was around 150 for for that uh, specific to get survey. up to that kind of threshold of 10. Yeah. And was there any additional, was there details around what types of positions those were, you know, whether it was, you know, social mm. media coordinator or, you know, obviously PR is still a huge part of this because, there, there is a lot that needs to be done in the community. You know, that's, I think, part of one of the reasons that sets these local providers apart. And, and a lot of what took up their time in the past was, you know, PR activities, you know, supporting the local community. Mm -hmm. Is there any sort of breakdown around like, you know, what positions are most critical, what positions are most important in that breakdown? Absolutely. So um, I would say across telecoms and again, from research conducted from that specific survey, um, top two marketing director. Mm -hmm. So an overall decision maker, right? Yeah. Someone that has full accountability and someone that can uh, create strategy and really align your efforts with your overall strategic business goals, right? That's the type of person you want to have that authoritative decision maker Sure. Um, so that they're reporting back to you. Secondly is a digital manager. Mm. So specifically if you're a telecom that's going with a digital first type of strategy. Yep. And the, the amazing thing about digital to me um, is that it's, you can track it, right? You can yeah. track the performance metrics and really help um, have data-driven decisions mm -hmm. by utilizing that. And the other thing to remember is that the channels with the highest marketing ROI for telecoms are email and Facebook ads. Yep. There's your digital channels right there. So I would say yeah. those are the very top two. Mm. Um, and 
one thing I wanted to include within that is um, small but mighty, right? Even if you start yes. small, you can always expand on your team and put the right tools in place. And one principle to keep in mind is the Pareto principle. And, you know, your team should focus on the 20% of your marketing efforts that bring in the 80% of impact, right? It's a great point. So if, if as a telecom prior to hiring, you can kind of hone in and focus on that, that's going to allow some guidance as to um, the types of positions you need as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great point. I, I think so many times it's easy to get distracted by all of the shiny balls or the yes. squirrels or, you know, whatever. Right. And yes. yeah, really focusing on those things that are important. And I think to your point about that director, you know, that person who's going to be able to have a little bit of a more strategic view, mm -hmm. access to the general manager, access to the CEO, access to the other people yes. in the organization that are making these decisions of where to expand. You know, I think that's one thing that I've seen not a lot as well is unfortunately, oftentimes marketing doesn't get a seat at the table when those business decisions are being made, which is really mm -hmm. unfortunate because I think they have a lot to offer and a lot to add to those conversations. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not to totally point fingers because this happens a lot in, in any company, but, you know, it's, once the engineering group has decided, hey, we're going to go build here, and then they go back and tell marketing, okay, this is where they're built, where we're building, and marketing is supposed to go out and get interest, and maybe it doesn't get as fast, come together as fast as they want it to. Well, maybe involving marketing earlier on in that conversation would have actually really helped so that they could have been part of that conversation to determine, oh, this is where we should build. You know, yes, there are many complexities that go into where to build, you know, where to build a network, but mm -hmm. having marketing as part of that conversation, I think is so important. And I don't know, I, I have not seen that happening nearly as much as I think it should. I don't know about your experience. I agree. And <laughs> there's a large similarity with engineering mm -hmm. a network and marketing. And mm -hmm. here's how so. You would never as a telecom go out and build without a plan. Yeah. Right. And so the same rule applies for marketing. You should never just go out and throw stuff and see if it sticks. You mm -hmm. need a marketing action plan. Yes. And, and a flexible plan, because we all know that there are so many things that can impact uh, marketing and what channels you're utilizing. You know, what's the competitive market doing? Uh, there's just so many things. Yep. that can impact it. So having that flexible plan, nimble plan, yeah. uh, if you want to uh, think of it that way, um, and be able to just shift where the needs need to take place in the priority. But that is kind of the cool part about having a relatively small team, right? Is when you have a small team, a small organization, you can be nimble, you can adjust quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that really is a great competitive differentiator for a lot of the small broadband service providers out there, not only are they local, you know, really hyper local in many cases, but they are nimble and can move quickly and try different things, which to me, I think is great. So, yeah, you know, you mentioned, you know, can't kind of, can't tackle everything, which leads me to another part of this conversation that I wanted to ask you, which is outsourcing, right? 
So there are lots of really smart people out there, you know, lots of great companies. You've obviously worked for an awesome one before and Pivot. We've worked yeah. with them. I've worked with them for a long time. Absolutely. You know, there's other great companies out there as well to outsource some of this, uh, some of this too. What do you think, what, in your opinion, what should people be looking to outsource versus things that they should be doing on their own? Yeah. So my personal rule is if you're not an expert, don't pretend to be and outsource it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good rule. It's a great rule. Um, And I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. We can't be an expert in everything. Absolutely not. And uh, there's just too much. Yeah. And, and why try to be an expert Mm -hmm. and, and then fall flat, fall short with performance, right? Uh, We get in or we, we get what we put in right? We get out what we put in. Um, So the other thing to to think of when you're thinking about outsourcing, though, is definitely dependent on your budget, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Many times I come across telecoms that don't have a marketing budget. Mm. Yeah. And or they're given very grassroots um, budgets, (laughs) which is very sad. But if you don't have one, request one build Mm -hmm. a budget and take it to the table and request the money for it. Right. Uh, But to answer your question more specifically, uh, what I've seen as the most common outsourcing digital Mm -hmm. uh, over the top advertising, for example, on streaming platforms because they change so frequently. Yeah. And the same with digital Facebook changes on the daily. Yeah. For it's sure. extremely Google, same hard thing, right? It's, it's just yes. constantly changing. Yes. Uh, website administration and design. Mm-hmm. Outsource that. Those can be beasts. Yeah. Uh, video. And then lastly, you know, we don't do a ton of this or I, you don't do a ton of this as a telecom anymore, printing. But mm-hmm. I've seen so many telecoms try to print in-house. Really? Wow. And it's... It's not worth the toner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, right? It's so expensive for those cartridges. Just outsource it. Send it to send it to yeah, send it to a local print shop or wherever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wherever. It's so many times. Yeah, and so many times they can have it to you within a week. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, for sure. No, I think those are really good suggestions. And I, I'd very much agree with you, especially on the website design and, and the digital stuff as well. As you said, it just, it changes so frequently. It's mm-hmm. really hard to stay on top of that. You know, it, it absolutely. And the, that's where too, having that person who's setting the direction, setting the strategy, you know, they don't necessarily need to have their hands in every single Facebook ad that's running, but they can provide some guidance around, Hey, this is how many customers we're trying to acquire. This is our cost. You know, this is what we want our, uh, return on ad spend to be, you know, some of those really key metrics and KPIs that, yeah. again, I don't think probably get looked at and analyzed enough. And I, you know, one thing you mentioned of not having budgets, and this is one thing I would I would challenge some of the marketers that are listening to this is I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of this. It's a big reason why I started doing some of my LinkedIn videos about financial acumen. And, you know, being able to have a real financial conversation with your CFO, with your CEO, if you're not able to articulate the need Mm -hmm. for marketing 
investment. Don't call it spend, right? We say that at Calix all the time. We don't spend, we invest. And I think that's a really important distinction to make is, hey, I'm not just going to you and asking for $100,000 so I can go you know, run a bunch of ads. I'm asking you for this money so that I can drive revenue and I can drive mm-hmm. this business forward. And if you're not at a place where you can have that conversation, you need to probably go back and do a little bit of education to feel more comfortable around that. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's just getting a little bit more comfortable with financial statement terms and things like that. You know, I know, you know, accounting class wasn't the most exciting class in college, but it's an important one for <laughs> it's the language of business, you know, and you need to be able to speak that language of business. Money talks, Gabe. Yes, indeed. Money yes, indeed. talks. And, you know, to add to that, not only have the financial acumen, acumen sorry, um, but also to be able to go to your general manager or whomever you're positioning for, for the budget to say, and with this investment, here's my plan. And mm-hmm. I'm also going to follow up with you on the performance of that. Yes. Right. And here was our uh, uh, acquisition cost. Mm-hmm. Right. And da, 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 da. And that's where you validate. Yes yourself, even if it didn't perform to the standards or your expectation, you still report that because then you've learned from that. You've learned what's working and what's not. Totally. I mean, I think that's the, that's the thing with marketing, right? Is it's not always, you know, we're not always going to have wild successes. You know, there's going to be things where we fall on our face and campaigns that don't work well. Okay. You know, that then you need to at least use that. It's only a learning experience. It's only a failure if you don't use it as a learning experience, right? Right. I mean, there's, that's, right. A, that's a saying for a reason, and it's a really good one. Well, kind of in the same vein of, you know, outsourcing, um, one thing I, I've been curious to learn a little bit more from you, and I know you've been doing some research on this, is AI tools that can be used in marketing, mm-hmm. whether it's machine learning, you know, these these fancy algorithms, all these all these buzzwords get thrown around all the time, but I do think there are some really cool tools that are out there, whether they be copyright, copywriting tools. Um, any word is one that I've kind of messed around with a little bit. Even there's even some really basic ones from services like CoSchedule, um, where you can put your email headers in and, or, uh, subject lines in, and it will give you a score. You know, I love those. Right. And I think they can be really Mm -hmm. helpful, especially when you have limited resources as a limited team, to lean on, to leverage some of these, some, some of this technology. Um, what are other ones that you've seen out there in the world that you think have been really helpful, especially for, you know, small teams with limited investment? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, I have to say that AI is magic. It's magic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty If cool. you ever watch the show, uh, Magic for Humans, it's like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so, so to back up just a pinch, um, so AI, ultimately the definition is it's machine learning tools, Yeah. right? And the benefits of it are, um, predictive marketing analysis or mm-hmm. analytics, um, allowing you to build effective prospecting campaigns, uh, that are again, data driven, and then you're able to see those performance metrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can provide online customer journey mapping for you, digital journey mapping for you. So so you mentioned uh, this one to me a couple of days ago. Yeah. And I was really curious about this. So that that sounds fascinating because building out a customer journey is a gigantic pain in the you know what mm-hmm. and can cu- take 
having having built customer journeys before, it takes a long time and it's a lot of work. So I would really be, I'm very curious mm -hmm. about this one. Mm -hmm. So now remember, this is a digital online journey. Yeah. Right? So yep. it's just digital. If, if you want to take into consideration the other pieces of journey mapping, you have to do so manually. Sure. Right? Um, but yes, digital mapping, there is an agency out there. It's called AI Media. Mm. It does digital mapping. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with them in past roles and to to see it in action. And it was just honestly mind blowing. <laughs> um, the uh, the digital mapping, literally, it showed the progression from when someone interacted with, say, like a Google ad or a Facebook mm. ad, and then they went to the BSP website tooled around in there a little bit. Then maybe a day later, oh, they interacted um, with uh, over-the-top streaming ad or mm. something like that. Uh, and then then they did a search on BSP providers near them or internet service providers near them. So it showed the actual digital journey. And That's really cool. Yes. And the... The other thing that you then realize is that even though you have ads on Google Display ads or Facebook ads, um, and even though they're telling you, hey, we're the one that got you this conversion or this lead, uh, it's actually, yes, they did help, but each of those are attributed to the endpoint goal, which yes. is that conversion, right? Um, yep. So that digital online journey takes that attribution into consideration. Mm -hmm. Attribution, I mean, I, attribution is just so tough, right? I think it's one of the hardest yeah. thing. I think it's really the hardest thing to measure in marketing, you know, mm -hmm. is what, 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 what compelled somebody to act, right? What really was that ultimate yeah. thing that compelled somebody to, to make a change? And that's a hard one. It's a hard one to determine. It just it really is, um, especially without tools like what you're talking about that measure all of these different touch points throughout yeah. the entire. In this case, even you know just the digital journey, which then there's probably offline stuff as well. But it sounds really cool. I I, I love that aspect of you know making that a more data driven process, a data driven approach. Absolutely. Um, the other one that comes to mind is Bloomreach. Hmm. That's another AI. Uh, platform out there. And then there's a free, a couple free platforms. So Totango has yeah. a free platform. Oh, that's um, and so does Microsoft Dynamics 365. Now I don't have experience with either of those. Uh, and so I don't know how much of the performance metrics is included mm. in the free version. Because sure. typically, if it's a free version, you're not getting all the data. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah absolutely. So, I will say I I, I, I continue to be impressed by the tools that Microsoft brings to the table for free. Yeah. Microsoft Clarity, I think, is an amazing tool. We've talked about mm -hmm. that one before. Mm -hmm. I love that thing. I think it's great. It's completely free. Microsoft uh, Power BI, I think, is another. The desktop oh, yeah. version is completely free. I freaking love that tool. They've got some really great tools to, you know, so I don't know. I'll have to look into the Dynamics one. I know I've, yeah. I've had some customers who've used Dynamics as their CRM previously, um, and... Uh, yeah, it's, I know it's easy to dunk on Microsoft. You know, everybody's like, you know, everybody uses it every day. So I think it's easy right. to, you know, talk right. crap about it or whatever. But we I'll need what, it. They got some good. We yes, need it, exactly. We don't want it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So oh. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah. Well, thank you for the insight there. I, I really appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. And well, just oh, did you? Sorry, go go for it. I, I was just going to um, ask about website tools. Oh yes, as well. Yeah. So um, I mentioned clarity. I wouldn't describe as an AI tool, but I do think it's really powerful to get an information insight and information into how your customers are, are you know using uh, using your website. One that I've been looking into a little bit is Google Optimize. So mm -hmm. what it will do is actually set up basically two different versions of your website. Mm -hmm. And it will do that based on, you know, the information that it knows about your users and things like that. And basically tell you which one is going to perform better from a UX and UI perspective. So you set up Google Analytics, you set up these two different, you know, basically landing pages or two versions of your website, and mm -hmm. then you see which one converts better. Um, and it's you know, using all of Google's fancy, you know, fancy machine learning language and all of that uh, to yeah. drive to drive the background behind that. So I think that could be potentially a really cool resource to use as well. That mm -hmm. one is, I believe, totally free. Um, there is definitely okay. some work that you need to do in order to integrate Google Analytics into the background of that, just to make sure that everything's set up correctly, so you can really track, you know, what's happening on both of those versions of the of the website. But um, if you're willing to do that and go through that effort, I think that's that's potentially a really cool tool to leverage as well. Mm -hmm. There is another free one called Hotjar. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and that one is equally impressive. It's yeah, agreed. Essentially, a heat map for your website. Mm -hmm. It provides the most clicks. It even provides um, scroll depth to tell you, hey, yeah. your your viewers are only going this far down your page, so don't even bother it's having shocking. them material after that. <laughs> It's shocking how few people will scroll down past that. It is. You know, right? header or, you know, whatever, right? I mean, the amount of fall off yep. that you get on most websites, it's like 50%. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. more, right? Maybe six, mm -hmm. even 60% are not going to scroll past that initial bit. That's right. why it's so important to get as much social proof, you know, really mm -hmm. eye-catching headlines, those sorts of things. We talked about, Zach and I talked about this, I don't know, this was probably four or five weeks ago on a podcast episode, but... I'm a huge fan of these DTC companies, direct to consumer companies. I think they do great, a great job with their landing pages because of exactly what you're talking about, Kat. They've got mm -hmm. to catch people fast in order to compel them to scroll down. So their value prop has to be so front and center at the top mm -hmm. of that page because most of the time they don't have, that's like, that's their storefront, right? That's their primary opportunity to have Absolutely. this conversation with the customer. So um, yeah. Anything yeah, tools like Hotjar, things like that. Yeah. Below the fold, forget it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and with the cool thing it. about Hotjar is that not only can you apply it to your website, but you can also apply it to your emails. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So you can see how um, far people are scrolling down the emails and things like that. Exactly. Ah, that's cool. That's yes. really cool. It is huh, very cool. So well, and a, it allows there, you to, you know, increase that. Uh, or increase your user experience, right? Mm -hmm. With your website, um, increase the interaction. Yes. And really create that seamless flow uh, for your online sales cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. make it as easy as possible. Don't have any barriers yeah. with it. And, and so it just helps to really streamline that. Totally. No, it's a great call. This was so fun. I'm so glad you know we got what? to do this. Thanks Kat. for having me. I <laughs> no, appreciate this is great. It. I really appreciate it. I, I, I really I appreciate you back. sharing your expertise and your time <laughs> and, and all of that. It was super fun. And I think, you know, if, if you're listening to this, you know, really 
big thing to take away, hopefully, is determine what those critical skill sets are that you need internally. You know, as Kat talked about, that marketing director setting the strategy, a person who's, you know, very focused on digital to help drive that strategy forward as well. You know, because digital does change, if you need to outsource some of that, I think that's perfectly okay. That's a great place to look, especially for things like website development and whatnot. But most importantly, you know, if you're if you're a broadband service provider, if you're a rural broadband service provider, especially, and you're listening to this, invest in your marketing. You know, it, it's it's an area that's been so underinvested for so long, and I consistently am blown away by how much our customers get done with relatively little investment um, mm-hmm. and relatively little staff. But hey, look, man, the times they are a changing, and you know, there's more competition. There's more. This is only going to become more, more and more of a problem going forward. So if you're not investing in marketing now, if you're not investing in those people and resources, you're going to be behind, no doubt. I agree. No doubt. Well, yeah. thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you again to Kat. Uh, don't forget to give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Find us on Spotify. Or if you'd like, you can now subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you want to see Kat and I having this wonderful conversation, you can uh, check us out on YouTube as well. And we will be back next week. I think Zach will be back next week. But again, thank you so much to Kat and really appreciate everybody for listening. Have a great day. Thanks so much.